0: Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of the Live Your Great Story podcast. I'm your host, Stacey Strickland. You know, this podcast exists to introduce you to really cool people doing really cool things. And in today's conversation, I get to introduce you to my friend, Joe Fleenor. Joe's a unicorn. And what I mean by that is that he's a Nashville native and this native has a passion for what he does. He's the owner of Above the Fold Events and his newest company, Running Tours USA. In this conversation, we talk about what it took for him to leave the safety of his corporate career and take a chance on his dream. It's been a crazy adventure, but he shares about how he's overcome fear and created an amazing opportunity for community through sport. I know you're gonna be inspired from this conversation, so let's jump right in. Uh, well, Joe, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm like so excited for this conversation. Um, we've known each other, gosh, I was trying to think about it. Is it like
1: at least five years? I feel like it's been more than that. It would be that, maybe six, something like that. It, it would have been early into my like, 10 year on the board with Beat, I guess, um, which yeah. that would have been at least. Well, maybe five or six years ago, probably. You're probably right. Somewhere around there. Oh,
0: yeah. Because I'm thinking, what, ATF started in 2016. hmm And that was, was that when it was like officially launched or when you started it while you were still working your corporate job?
1: Yeah, I started it when I was still working full time. So we started in, it was officially launched in January, I guess, of 2016.
0: Okay. So, then, yeah, it must have been 2014, 2015 that we yeah. first met with Beat. Yeah. Because um, I remember sitting at a coffee shop in Nashville <laughs> with you and talking about joining the team. And then now I'm here. I am kicking myself that I never actually did that.
1: <laughs> but,
0: There's still time,
1: Stacey. Anyways, all right. Well, uh,
0: so, yeah, before we jump into like all the ATS stuff and just the really cool things that you're doing, um, can you just take a minute and like tell us who you are about a little bit about yourself, um, just so we get to kind of know you before your companies,
1: yeah, sure. Um, this is always probably probably the most awkward part. Talking about yourself personally is probably harder than talking about the, your company. Um, but I'm, yeah. I'm one of the unicorns here in Nashville. I'm one of the born and raised people from Middle Tennessee. There's not a lot of us around here. I grew up in a town called Mount Juliet, Tennessee, and I now live in Franklin, Tennessee. Um, I. Uh, <sighs> I have a sport management background. That's what I went to school for at the University of Tennessee, Knoxville. Um, So sport production is kind of where I've always been in my professional career and took a little detour there for a little while. But mostly that's where I've I've lived. Um, Have a beautiful wife, have two young children, um, a boy and a girl. I'm kind of living the American dream in a lot of ways. Um, But uh, uh, things are going good for me. And um, that's that's in a nutshell who I am and what I do. That's awesome. You did great. It's awesome. (laughs) Um,
0: You know, so you said live in the American dream. And part of that, I feel like is kind of this organization that you've launched. um, Well, organizations, I guess. Um, So, you know, tell me dream is a big part of who we are here at Live Your Great Story. You know, just um, challenging people to dream big dreams and go after things. Um, You know, you said that you were in. corporate world a little bit, you know, but your kind of your heart and your passion is sports production and and management, things like that. So, um, I'm going to jump a little deeper into that in a minute, but first of all, let's start with ATF. So tell us what is ATF and, um, and how did, where did that dream come from? Like for this company?
1: Yeah. Uh, Well, growing up, I had, um, no plans of being an entrepreneur. That was never like, it never crossed my mind. Um, I grew up in a family where my parents had jobs. They worked in those jobs pretty much their entire adult life. They never bounced around like our generation does. Um, Mm -hmm. they never had that bone in their body to go out and start their own thing. So that wasn't a part of my upbringing. Um, And so when I started to kind of figure out my own path, um, it really wasn't until I joined the corporate world that the thought of owning my own business and being an entrepreneur really even crossed my mind. Uh, Because when I first started working um, in like the real world, like post-college, that would have been 2003, um, 2004-ish. I was still kind of on that path of I just need to find a good job and just ride it out for my whole career and then retire one day. Um, And then we'll talk a little bit more about that. But eventually, when I left the sports world and I got involved in the corporate world, the clients that I was working with were all um, business owners in the accounting space. So these were people that owned accounting firms, small, medium, and large. And a lot of times you think of like a big accounting firm and you don't really think of That is an entrepreneurial entrepreneurial venture, but it really is. The people that that started those accounting firms, in most cases, did them from scratch, and they built their companies. And that was really inspiring to me to kind of get to know them and understand all the challenges they faced. And that opened my eyes to this whole new world of what my life could be. Um, Mm. And that kind of sparked above the fold. Um, I knew at that point... I wanted to give it a go. I had no idea what that meant. I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't know how to go about it, but I knew that one day I was going to make that challenge or tackle that challenge and start a business. Um, And so it took a while for me to figure out what I wanted, what was worth taking that risk for. And Hmm. um, it wasn't really until I got involved into the sport of triathlon just as a a recreational athlete, not, not in the business world, but just as an athlete in the sport, the, the sport itself, I saw an opportunity to jump into that in the business world. And so um, that sparked the thought process of what above the fold could be. And um, sport event production has always been where my background was. And, and so I thought, well, maybe, I could just be um, in the world of sport event production privately and triathlon could be my entry into that. Um, So, you know, long story short, that's that's the birth of it. That's how it all started. And, you know, we we can talk a lot about, you know, the genesis Mm -hmm. behind, you know, the first thing that got me into that. But um, that's in a a nutshell, how it all kind of came to be and what it is and, and why we're here today, which is great
0: what was it that made you kind of take that step and that leap of this is the last straw I'm going to leave what's safe and I'm going to jump into my passion and my dream.
1: Yeah. So it was, it it was seeing and experiencing the energy level that the business leaders that I was working with um, displayed, they were constantly, Um, showing passion for their product, passion for building their team, passion for developing their employees, passion for servicing their client, just everything about it was passionate. Um, and this, we're talking accounting, which you wouldn't really think that's like a sexy topic or like, a, but these guys, a business is a business. My business is a, a, a smaller scale of what they're doing, but it's pretty much the same thing. We're building something from scratch and you got all the intricacies of it, but it was, it was what they were doing day to day of living that brand and living their business. And, and that was who they were. And I, I, I just found that incredible. And I was not experiencing that. I was, I was working. Okay. I I was just doing a job and I enjoyed it and I was good at it and I had fun and they paid me well and all that stuff. But I didn't have that passion. Um, and I don't know if I would have ever, um, known of that, that that passion was a realistic thing without, talking and experiencing it from other entrepreneurs. I just, like I mentioned earlier, I didn't have that background. And so that opened my eyes to what, what it could be. Um, how, you know, how can you become passionate and just absolutely in love and live that, um, where, you know, the old cliche saying of it doesn't feel like work, like how can you truly do that? Um, Mm -hmm. And so um, that's kind of what started it for me. And, and I took the, I took the leap. I took the gamble because I was, I was, I was doing well. Um, I had great insurance. I had retirement. I had, I had it all. Um, and I, I stepped away and that's uh, with, you know, nothing. It's not like I was inheriting something that had success. It was all from scratch and that that's scary. Um, but I I felt, I felt very strongly that we were going to succeed. What were some of those fears that you had to overcome? Um the first and foremost is I had no idea what to do. <laughs> so <laughs> like if you think about anything like if if you have no skill set on doing something like that and you have no training or nothing um that's very intimidating. And so I truly just had to figure it out. And that's become my mantra of my business, which is make it happen. It's kind of our slogan. And I live and breathe by that now. And I, I, I've learned that you don't have to have all your ducks in a row to make something work. You just, you set your eyes on something and you just make it happen. However that happens, whatever that process is to get you there, just make it happen. There is no right or wrong. Um, and that was the biggest fear for me. was just overcoming the unknown of what to do. Um, I wasn't necessarily afraid of, you know, the finances of things or insurance or all that. It was simply, can I actually get this off the ground and make it something um, and not just waste time doing something? I want to actually build something that's sustainable and can build. I don't know if I'm, I'm necessarily building a legacy, but I mean, ideally, yes, I would love for this to become something for the long term. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I think that, you know, I think we're slowly getting to that point where I think this could be a sustainable thing.
0: That's really awesome. Um, of the first, if I'm remembering correctly, one of the first races that you did was kind of the takeover rebranding of river bluff, right? Like here in town.
1: Yes. Or one of the um, first races,
0: if not the first one. Yeah, River
1: Bluff was our first race. Um, And that race was put on by another company and they got rid of it for a a myriad of reasons. Uh And um, I did not like the thought of that race not being on the calendar anymore. So that was really the spark that started this whole thing was I didn't want yeah. that race to not be there anymore. So why not just start it back? Right.
0: Right. <laughs> it's a great race. I've done it a couple times. Um, yeah, I, I love that race. So off of that, which you kind of are leading in, um, what do you see as the impact even of we'll start big picture, like triathlon on community right so like you just said like i didn't want to see that race go away there are just some things about races you know one race feels different than a different one which feels different than a different one and so how have you seen um whether it's river bluff or just even above the fold in general the impact that it has on the communities because now you're in like multiple communities doing multiple races, you know, that one little thing to a ton. So what's the impact that you've seen on those different communities?
1: Well, it's funny. Like I think after the first two years of doing this, where it was, it was only river bluff the first two years of, it was just a side hustle gig for the first couple of years. Um, but those first couple of years, I remember I came home one day and I was telling my wife, I was like, I, um, I like doing this, but what's the greater meaning behind what I'm doing? Like, I feel like there needs to be, I need to have a per. like what's my why? I know it's there. I just can't properly identify it. And this was right after, I think the the second year of our river bluff. And she was working that event. And she goes, I know exactly what your why was. Like you told me your why and you didn't even realize it. But after that race, I had got, I had come home to her and I was telling her I, I took like a five minutes step away from the race. It was like, it was winding down. It was like the last few racers were coming through the post race party was occurring. Awards were about to start. I'm usually just absolutely like in the zone at that point, but I decided to just step away from everything and just look and observe and just see what was going on and not worry about everything. And I did that. And I remember telling her after the fact, what I saw and what I saw was a number of different scenes taking place. Um, One example was we had some podiums set up and there was a husband and wife and a daughter, like a baby daughter. And the the husband who had just raced was holding the baby on the podium, pretending like he had just won first place. And they were smiling and taking pictures. There was another group of some friends from a local triathlon club. And we had beer that race and they were all toasting each other after the race and enjoying that. Um, There was a a small family there with a dog. They brought a dog out there and we had um, barbecue sandwiches that, that race and they were like feeding the dog some of the sandwich from that race and everybody was having a great time and i remember like telling her that story and she was like that's your why like you're creating these lasting memories through sport okay so like you're improving their lives by developing these lifelong memories that they're gonna have and alongside like they're also getting you know physically fit through them, but it's more so the memories that you're creating, um, through the events that you're producing. And so they're going to take away that from your races. And that's, that's why you wanted to start this. And it truly is. I just, I was never able to kind of put my, the proper English to that, or like, um, I don't know, but that, that really, if I could like bottle that up and like have like a two sentence saying, that is why I do this. That's my why.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. And yeah, I mean, experiencing, I think we've both been on the other side of it, like the non business side or production side of it, where we, yeah, we experience that. It's man, I just did that. Like I just accomplished that or anything like that. So that's really inspiring. and um, That's super helpful. I think something you said where it's like having a why behind why you're doing something and having that passion is what, I feel like a lot of people maybe miss when they're trying to get after. You know, they're like, "Oh, I want to do this venture. Or I want to do this," and it's just another job. Where um, I'm hoping to encourage people to find what you're passionate about and get after you it. You know that I think
1: I think wise could change over time too. Mm. Um, that might not always be the why of above the fold. Um, it probably will be for a long time, but. Um, it takes conscious effort to remember that um, and to remember and do what you do for the reason why you started it. And you can get stuck in, you know, the grind of day to day work um, and you lose, you lose sight of that. Um, And so it's a, It's a task to try and be focused on that. But um, once you are focused on it, then it makes things so much more enjoyable and and it keeps it sustainable. And that's that's what I've had to come to learn over these last five or six years.
0: That's really awesome. Um, okay, so I want to sh- shift a little bit to another business venture you've launched, uh, which is actually pretty unique. Like, I don't think it's, <laughs> I don't think I've heard anything it's like very it. <laughs> uh, but running tours USA. So, for those of you that don't know, he's set up different markets and huh? basically runs people through a city for lack of a better term. Like (laughs) better way to see a city than to run it. Um so tell us about that. Like the where did that come from? Um you know kind of the story behind running tours USA.
1: Well it was um before I um started my business when I was working in that corporate world, uh, part of my responsibilities in that job was I was a convention Planner of sorts. So we would take our accounting firm clients and we'd set up big conventions across the country with them. Um, and I was traveling to all these great cities across the United States. And, you know, you do the typical meeting where you'd wake up and you'd have a hotel breakfast and you're sitting in a meeting for eight hours. And then that evening you'd go out to a dinner somewhere. And that was kind of what we did every single day. Um, and in the mornings, we would. I usually end up in the hotel gym early in the morning to get a little run in before the day started. Um, and every time I did that, I would look next to me and there was somebody at our conference that was running next to me or doing something. And I would always look over it. Um, he or she, and I would be like, this, this is terrible. And they'd be like, yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> and so, um, one day I was like, we were in Denver one year and I looked over at the person. and I was like, let's go and run Denver tomorrow. Let's just I'll figure out a route. And let's just go run it. And so words spread that afternoon about what we were planning on doing. And the next morning, we had like eight people show up for this little fun run that I did around Denver. And we had a great time. We ran for like 30 or 45 minutes or so. Um, and then that turned into something where they, they began to expect me to uh, produce a fun run every conference we went to. And that was actually... that became super fun and um, super good for our company because everybody was looking forward to the next conference because they wanted to do a run because you got to really get outside of your hotel and experience the city. And so I did this for a few years. And um, it was actually the very last conference I was producing before I was leaving the company to start Above the Fold. And we were actually in Nashville. And... I was doing the run in Nashville and we had like 70 something people show up to this run. Um, it was out, it was amazing. And, um, nobody's paying anything. This is all just something I organized. And I remember I took a picture on the pedestrian bridge overlooking the city skyline behind them. And I emailed out that picture to everybody after the conference And, um, I started to notice that picture going viral on their LinkedIn pages. Okay. They were all posting it and talking about their experience in Nashville at their conference. And, um, it was, it was amazing. And so that got me thinking, you know what, there's something here. Like these business people are loving to see the cities they're going to, and they're sharing it with their whole network. And that becomes this exponential thing. And so um, long story short, I saw that opportunity and I created Nashville Running Tours. Um, I won't get too much into it, but Nashville Running Tours is not a unique thing. There was somebody years ago that created Nashville Running Tours and it never really took off for them because of uh, a lot of reasons. But just time being the big thing, they just couldn't devote the energy to it. So anyways, I reached out to that person because I was like, why not just take over that company? And the company was no longer in existence, but they had the domain. Mm-hmm. And so I paid them a little bit of money just to take the domain and set up the business. Um, and we started doing just some fun runs around Nashville for people that would that would come to town until eventually um, we started seeing that, you know, let's, let's not lose focus of why I started this, which is the convention market. Um, the tourist traffic and things like that. The open group runs are fun, but I need to go after the convention group. So we started really going hard and heavy after that, um, really targeting convention and visitor bureaus. Um, and we were we were crushing it um, up until COVID. <laughs> so then COVID hit and all the conventions went away. And the running tour business, um, just like every other tour business around the country, has plummeted. So while that was bad for Nashville running tours, it was good for this vision that I have been having for the last couple of years of what Nashville running tours could eventually become. And that is what it is today, which is running tours USA. Um, I had seen I was experiencing what Nashville could do in the running tour market and people were loving it. And it was, we have no competition. Um, And I was like, well, maybe that surely somebody is out there doing this. Like I can't be the only one. And I started to look around and um, there's some running tour companies here and there, that are doing things, but they're doing things. And this is not at fault, but they're kind of doing it as a side hustle gig. They all work full time and they just do little runs here and there um and so that made me think well there's a market for a national brand company to come in and act as a true business and really promote running tours as another tour offering up there with the likes of a pedal tavern or a bus tour or any other tour that you're doing this is a running tour and we believe that running tours really show you the the city in the best way uh, sure. there's no better way to experience a city um so um i again just made it happen i saw i had the vision It's COVID season. It's not the best time to be launching a business and be like targeting the tourist and and travel market. But it also has given me this, the time to devote to what the business plan was going to be for this to get everything lined up, to start going after the different markets and doing interviews with all the people and starting to build out that foundation of um, the people that are leading each of the markets and get everything set up so that come summer, Fall and then 2022 full scale, full steam ahead. Hopefully, we're there and we're waiting and we're we're crushing it uh, because we believe that this is a unique offering that if people know about it, um, that this is a thing that most people will do it. Um, it's a low price point. It's a morning activity in most cases um it's super fun we have great tour guides that are passionate they know the city they can tell you things you're not going to get anywhere else um and it's just a lot of fun so that's running tours usa i rambled on i apologize for that but um that's i love it that's it
0: i love it um so how many markets are you in now like you know at least set up for
1: um well so we, we launched running towards USA, I guess, November 1st. Okay. So it's Oof. been a month and a half. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we were up and running in Nashville, obviously. We have since brought on um, six other markets in this month okay so this has been a whirlwind month of like interviewing and talking and bringing people on so we now have six markets that we will eventually start having live runs and we're still building out that that option sure. also there's just not a lot of travel right now but we're going to be um set up in charleston south carolina san diego california chicago illinois miami florida new orleans louisiana reno tahoe we're going to be up in Rochester in the Buffalo area soon. Um, I feel like I'm missing one. I probably am. But um, <laughs> that's where we're going to be. And then I've got another, probably another four or five markets that we hope to open in the next four or five months. So realistically, we could be in 12 cities come 2021, which would be amazing.
0: That is absolutely amazing. <laughs> we're just launching a month ago, a month and a half ago.
1: And, and it's that's- like I mentioned earlier, it's truly... It's not just a um, an awareness campaign for the public to know that we're a thing and to come do our tours, but it's also an awareness for entrepreneurs. So that's what I'm coming mm-hmm. to learn when they, when they hear of this, um, that this is a, a thing and that you can actually make money on it. Um, people are jumping hand over fist to want to be a part of it. And that's super exciting to have a lot of these people because the way that we're treating it is our city managers, they're almost acting like a like a franchisee of sorts where they kind of control their own market and run their own business under the umbrella of Running Towards USA. So it, I'm working with fellow entrepreneurs in this, yeah. which is super exciting.
0: That's awesome. I think one of the things I love most about your story is that you're like... I mean, this is something I want to do. So I'm going to do it. Like, it doesn't exist. So, I mean, I, I guess that's the entrepreneur like mindset: is this doesn't exist. I have a solution for a problem, so I'm going to do it, right? And just make it happen. Figure it out. Um,
1: yeah. I, and I, in many cases, I'm. In many cases, I feel like the public might not realize that it's something they want, (laughs) but I want to make them want it. Um, Mm -hmm. and that's part of it too.
0: (laughs) So what about, um, just continuing the plug a little bit, but, uh, (laughs) is there like a standard of like, Hey, you need to be able to run this, you know, pace or are there like pacing standards or is it like anyone's open, welcome to come kind of open and welcome to come.
1: Um, (laughs) yeah, totally. Um our our typical tour is a very comfortable casual pace. And to be honest, we can't leave anybody behind. So your pace is pretty much whatever the slowest person is um, to the group. Um, yeah. And we we work with every group that comes through to kind of understand their comfort level and we accommodate that. So um, we can truly do a walking tour all the way up to somebody wanting to run a full marathon at a seven thirty pace. Um, we've got the resources in place to kind of handle that. So whatever you need or what you want to do, we can handle it.
0: That's awesome. I think you say something, you know, you said, uh, the slowest person sets the pace. And I think that goes like, that's way deeper than just running <laughs> right? like when you, when you have a team, um, you know, you're starting by yourself with a lot of these things, but as your team grows, like you're only strong, as strong as your weakest link. Right. But 100%. But I think that's powerful where it's like you have to decide, I think, as a entrepreneur or um, just a visionary. It's like, do I want to go fast or do I want to go far? Yeah. Right? And I feel yeah. like. I, I truly believe that if you want to go far, like you need to link arms with people, regardless of how slow they might be at times. And that is really hard for me sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> what you're, Come
1: on. <laughs> well, that, you're right though. I don't think you're abnormal in that. Most people, you always hear people say, if you want to do it right, do it yourself. Yeah. Um, and I forget the other saying, like, if you want to do it well, like do it. I forget what it is. Yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> I don't if I agree with that though if you want to do it right it's like no sometimes I don't have all the answers like in order to do it right I need you or I need you know somebody else yeah um, yeah It comes a point
1: too where you um you learn your limitations um mm-hmm. and what you have kind of maxed out with your own individual capabilities um mm-hmm. and I've I've come to that point a number of times and I um, much prefer when I can hand off key pieces of the business to people that are better than me. Um, and in most cases, people are better than me. And once you start to kind of hand off those pieces, your business goes exponentially farther than kind of sticking to your guns and doing things the way that you feel like they have to be done. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, that's been a lesson learned and something now that I'm very comfortable with.
0: Yeah. Surrounding yourself with people smarter than you so that they can help make go. Yeah. You know, I was just thinking, um, while we were talking that I think it was my first, I don't remember if it was my first or second time at river bluff. Um, it was a horrible run. Like it was so hot and like not shaded and all of that. Um, but I was doing pretty decent. Like I wasn't going to podium at all for that race, but, um, there, as I was coming in, like turning the corner towards the finisher shoot, um, I saw this lady that was like struggling, you know, like massively struggling. And, um, and I just stopped and I was like, Hey, let me finish this out with you. You know? And she's like, no, 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 go. Like you can be, you know, and like so many people passed me and it was, uh, like I fought with myself sometimes where I'm like, I could do like, I could get such a great pace <laughs> <laughs> a right now if I just leave her. But like when we crossed that finish line, like she just started weeping because I didn't leave her, you know? And I feel like there's so many stories of that in triathlon, you know, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but it just talks kind of to that point of I could have gone a lot faster and I mm-hmm. could have, I could have been close to being on the podium, but you know, I was like, I saw her on the bike. It just, she's kind of caught my eye and I was like, all right, I'm going
1: to. But, um, but you know what, that, that event you did, um, you remember it to this day, it's very vivid in your mind. This is something you'll always remember. If you would have just pushed through and you know, had a decent time or whatever you probably you're not going to remember your time. Um, right. nobody's going to remember your time. Uh, But you're going to remember that experience you had with helping that person. That person probably um, vividly remembers you helping her. And that, to me, um, is what it's all about. So I love hearing those kinds of stories.
0: Yeah. Um, Have you heard any other uh, stories or experiences? I know running tours is like the national one is is low uh, or newer, uh, but from national running tours or from any of your races where it's just like. Kind of one of those moments where your why really came through. We're like, man, that's why I do this. You know, outside (laughs) outside of the what you had already told us, but like a specific story, maybe. Totally. um,
1: Yeah, it, it usually is not um known until after a race or leading into a race. And usually those whys don't come out until you get an email from somebody or you get a phone call from somebody telling you the impact of whatever it is they experienced from Mm -hmm. your event was. Um, So, there's, I mean, I truly there's, and this is, I don't think it's just me. I think it's every race director has these, but, um, I probably, I've got a whole email file truly of, of these things that come through. And there's, there's gotta be over a hundred of these things Mm. where people will send you a message saying, you know, this was my first triathlon. Um, you know, the typical, I either like started the year at 300 pounds and I lost all this weight and did my first race or, stories like my my husband was a um a crazy ironman triathlete um he got cancer and passed away last year and i've kind of picked up the mantle from him and this was my friend and like racing and stuff like that and mm-hmm. i'm like getting chills talking oh, okay. things like that mm-hmm. <laughs> are um happen every race and you don't know like yeah. you just look at it, people you you have no idea but everybody has that story um, and most stories they might not be as dramatic as other people's stories, but everybody's got a story. Um, Hmm. and that's cool. And just getting people to like realize their own whys behind doing this race, um, is part of my why, I guess. Um, I love people kind of realizing the impact that this is having on themselves. Um, and that's just, I don't know. I, I need to pull back open that folder, that email folder I, I have, because I do it uh, probably once a year just to kind of stay motivated. And I have mm-hmm. not done that, especially 2020, which has been kind of a down year for racing. This is probably right. the time to do it. But um, <laughs> um, yeah, that that's no real like pinpoint stories, but there's there's just a lot of that kind of stuff.
0: That's cool. What is, um you know, since we are wrapping up 2020 and we all know how, horrible that's been for the race community um besides like races being canceled because we obviously have established that races are more than swim bike and run right um how has it how has this whole covid thing impacted even the racing community like from your perspective as a race director um but then just even uh, above the fold um Cause I know you guys, you know, you've got the, the legion like thing and you've got all these people invested in yep. producing races, um, and producing athletes even, um, right. so, like, what has that impact been like this year?
1: Um, I mean, it's a challenge. It's, um, there's, we sent out our newsletter last week, um, because I've been getting a lot of questions about like, Hey, what's, what's the deal for 2021? When's registration opening? What's your schedule? Yada, yada, yada. Um, and normally at this time of the year, we have launched registration. We're like right in the mix of, you know, really promoting early bird discounts and getting lots of people to sign up for races. And we have not even like pretended to start that process yet. Um, and so we sent out a newsletter, Last week, just providing an update on this. And that was literally, um, we don't know enough yet to feel comfortable with um, launching our typical registration. Um, We don't know what 2020 is going to look like. We don't know what consumer confidence at this point It's going to look like we don't know how we're going to best implement the new protocols for putting on a race and how that fits in with delivering a race and getting approvals from municipalities and all this stuff Mm -hmm. Um, we're operating on deferred revenue. So all of our money um, came in from registrations before we shut everything down, and it's being carried over to next year. And we might not get a whole lot of extra money on that. So it's all deferred revenue that we're operating on. So it's this whole new world um, that is scary. And I am wanting to to do it the as, as best I can. And mm-hmm. as best I can is to push the brake a little bit, slow things down, and put together a, a strong plan so that when we do launch registrations, we've got everything in place and we're ready to go. Um, so, for us, it's we're confident that races will occur. What races will look like um, will be different. How we operate will be different, um, but we're confident there will be a product, okay? Um, the participants themselves is who knows? Um, Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people that have um, maybe lost interest or lost motivation to to continue on. Doesn't mean we've lost them for good, but it means that they normally would have been in it for the whole year. And when things shut down, they might have lost motivation to train or whatnot. So bringing those people back into the fold and getting them excited and ready to go. Um that's a real thing that it's not just the race companies have to do, but it's the local, um, clubs that they're involved with. It's their coaches, it's their gyms, it's whoever they are engaged with. They got to kind of get that motivation from, from everybody. Um, so it's, it's, (laughs) but (laughs) while I've kind of gone doom and gloom here, there is positive in this. Um, and the positive is people are out there, more active than ever, in my in my opinion. Um, maybe not the usuals. They might not be as active as they once were, but we're getting a lot of new people that are becoming active. they um, are getting a lot of people that have bought bikes this year that are out riding bikes, get a lot of people out there running. Um, and this is, in my opinion, low-hanging fruit that we need to figure out a way to capitalize on this new population of people that could get introduced into endurance sports. Um mm-hmm. and so I see that as a positive. And so trying to leverage that positive with hopefully what we can deliver to them in 2021 could hopefully be a positive for us. So
0: yeah. How have you um because obviously like we've established COVID has been a, a trial for everybody in the world. Um but like what are some ways you've gotten through this whole pandemic, um, either personally, or as, you know, as a business owner, um, where your business relies on crowds of people, you know, but like, what are just some things that you've done, um, or that have helped you kind of get through all this?
1: Um, I guess professionally, um, there's been a couple of things. One is, um, running towards USA has obviously been something that I focused a lot over these, the fall and winter and building that out. So there's, um, there's been a lot of energy spent on the, the unveiling of that. Um, so that's kept me busy and the the future of that is bright. Um, when racing shut down and with racing still on pause, we've had to figure out what else can we do with what we have and the capabilities of putting on events, um, under safe in safe ways. And Mm -hmm. so my background is, is in tennis as well. And so I've started doing more in the tennis space, the summer and fall. And so we've started a couple of leagues here in Nashville in the tennis world, which, um, work really well because it's not big clusters of people. Mm. Um, people come, they play, they go. Um, and, People have been wanting to get out there and play tennis and a lot of tennis activities have, have also gone away this year. And so we've kind of filled that gap for them. Um, so tennis has kept us busy and tennis has a lot of potential with, with what we could be doing moving forward. Um, so that's been good. Personally, this has been a fantastic year personally. <laughs> um, that's great to hear. it's it's, um, there's stress, but like personally I've got, um, it's been surprisingly fun to have the, I work from home. um, and it's been surprisingly fun to have the family here all the time. Um, our kids do virtual learning. We have somebody that helps them here, but, um, everybody's home. Um, we've, we figured out that whole dynamic. It works really well. Um, we, we've done a lot as a family. Our neighborhood has come together really strongly. Um, we've Mm -hmm. made new friends, Um, I've done a ton of projects around the house. Like it's just been a fun year and I feel very accomplished in a lot of ways with that. So it hasn't been a total terrible year (laughs) for things. I love
0: love hearing that because I feel like so many things I see on social media and like all over TV, whatever, all over around me is 2020 sucks. 2020. (laughs) And I'm like, y'all, yeah, it's been horrible. Like it hasn't been fun necessarily. Like, with covid and the division that masks and the politics like was just there's so much division i feel like in our nation right now um that has not been fun i had hip surgery in may but like with like you I'm <laughs> like this has been a great year even though i had the surgery like this has been an awesome year and yeah. uh, and so i think it's just all perspective. it's a mindset yeah
1: um how to make the best of the situation. And it took me a while to be honest. Like I'm a, um, people call me an extroverted introvert. Um, and I've never really understood that, but essentially like, I get energy from being around people. Um, but I don't always want to be around people. And Mm -hmm. so not being around people at the beginning really sucked a lot of my energy away from me, but then I've, I've learned how to like, find that energy in new ways um and it's it's been nice i've really enjoyed it that's awesome
0: so uh you may not know an answer to this but what's next like what's kind of the next venture if you can share if you have something (laughs) <laughs> other people are like can't tell you that yet. And I'm like okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, we we do fit in that boat as well. <laughs> there, um, I'm always looking to improve and become better, and there are definitely things that are um, in the pipeline for that. And um, a lot of those I just can't share yet. But a, yep. um, other things I have shared, like um, I think tennis is something that above the fold will soon dive deep into. We've kind of been playing on the outskirts with it for the last couple of years um, with mm-hmm. leagues and some high school recruiting stuff for colleges. And But I think we could really ramp up that service line and, and um, do some fun stuff with that. So I see that maybe as the next um, phase of what above the fold could be in the sports world.
0: Mm-hmm. I love that though. It's It's always dreaming. Like you said, it's always coming up with things and if we become static, then, um, then we're just gonna die. Like you totally. can't, you gotta be moving. You know. Yeah. Um, okay, I have just two more questions. Um, this first one is: What advice would you give uh, to people who might have a dream of starting something? You know, whether it's a business or a venture or fill in the blank. Um, they're just sitting at home dreaming. Like, man, this would be fun. What's what advice do you have for them?
1: (laughs) Well, I I feel like everybody's everybody's risk level or tolerance of risk is going to be different. Okay, Um, and so you know my usual saying of you know just take the hurdle, make it happen. um, That's easier said than done. um, Where my advice, and this is kind of where I started our entire conversation Mm -hmm. is engage yourself with people that are already living that world. Um, you, you, the best people to learn from are people that wake up every morning and go to bed every night where they think all day long about their business and what they're doing. Um, And those people are going to be real with you because there's nothing really to hide. And, um, they're going to tell you the good, the bad, and the ugly. And most of it is bad and ugly, (laughs) but the good, the good is dramatically good. Um, so much so that it makes the bad and the ugly worth it. Um, but you got to understand that bad and ugly. and, And the only way to know that is to talk to people that are experiencing that. Um, And 2020 has been a year of a lot of bad and ugly, um, that might scare a lot of people away from doing things that have more risk. Um, but it's also, I think the right time um, for a lot of people to take that jump where, you know what, we've just endured this, um, scary year for a lot of ways. Um, and we've overcome it and let's, Let's parlay that into something magnificent. Um, and this is the time for a lot of people, I think, to jump into something that they're passionate about, that they want to kind of create their insecurity with, and build their legacy with. And um, so, I think just you know engaging with other people that are in that world is is the top tip for myself. And then not worrying so much about how to do it—you'll figure that out along the way. Um, but just taking that leap in your mind to do it is where you got to start.
0: That's so helpful. And <laughs> you're like the fourth, fifth person this weekend to tell me that. So I'm, I'm taking note on some things that are stirring. But uh, all right. My final question, I ask this of all of my guests just because it's super fun and I've, I love being fun. Um, <laughs> what are three simple joys in your life?
1: Yeah. Um, okay. Um, I love, I love, love, love the Buffalo Bills. Ah, okay. <laughs> that's number one. And that's a random answer, I know, but I get so much joy um out of cheering for that team. And it's been a rough 30 plus years of being a fan of that team. Um, but we are this year is the best year that I've ever experienced. Um pre or I guess since the the Super Bowl years that brings me joy number one the Buffalo Bills right now um Padres (laughs) I I remember that (laughs) Um, number number two I love just being outside um I have a goal and I've actually let me show you something
0: here bear with me
1: (laughs) I have a goal of um creating more what I call mini habits and I learned it from this book right here um, okay. And it's a good book, but um, I started to make a list of things that bring me enjoyment. And one thing that always kind of popped up was if I'm outside more, I'm happier. Uh, it doesn't matter what I'm doing, if I'm outside more, I'm happier. And so I now have created my own little mini habit of ways to be outside more. Um, And that's translating into just a happier life for me. So I'm I'm being outside. Um, And number three is my, I'll say family, but in particular, my kids, like they're young and they're fun. Um, And I like being engaged with what they're interested in. I'm coaches of their teams. Um, I like playing with their friends. I like that, that whole world of being a dad. Like that's my thing. I like it. Um, if I could just be a stay at home dad, (laughs) that might actually be (laughs) something I would be be better than owning a business with. But, um, anyways, I love that. I love that. I love my kids and hanging out with them and doing what makes them happy and being a part of that. So those are three things for me. That's awesome. I love (laughs) it.
0: Well, Joe, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to chat with me and catch up and just talk about life and um and just the the ventures that you're on um super encouraging and inspiring and i love that you are serving the communities you know serving nashville serving um louisville wherever you're at you know san diego Mm -hmm. wherever you're doing it through the world of sport because i love sport and sport as you know is such a connector of people um and so thank you for what you're doing in the sport world and the endurance
1: world um,
0: and just making it happen.
1: So. Well, thank you. And you're doing, and with this podcast, I think this is a way um, in your, in your way, this is a tremendous resource for people. So I hope people find a lot of value in what you're putting together. Cause it's, it's been fun to look back at all your episodes. <laughs> cool. Thank you. I
0: appreciate that. Really do. Man, wasn't that such a powerful conversation? I just love what Joe shared about the importance of taking a chance, regardless of having all your ducks in a row or not. I know I left my time with him feeling empowered to step out into what the Lord is calling me to do. Hey, if you enjoyed this conversation and you haven't yet, would you do me a favor and click that subscribe button? Not only does it help me out, but it keeps you up to date on when new episodes are being released. I sure hope that through today's conversation, you were inspired to dream big dreams and say yes to big adventure. And if you did enjoy today's conversation, I sure hope you go back and check episode two out. In that conversation, I talk with my friend Corey Cope about her journey from being in leg braces as a child to running the Boston Marathon. It is a story you do not want to miss. So go check it out. Y'all have heard me say it before, that we all have a unique story that nobody else has and nobody else can live. So remember, get out there and live your great story.